Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Awwalillah min al-shaytan al-rajim. Bismillahi r-Rahman r-Rahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alamin. Wa sallallahu tabaraka wa taala wa sallam ala Sayyidina Muhammadin, Sayyidina wa Sanadina wa Habibina wa Shafi'ina wa Maulana. Sallallahu alaihi wa ala alihi wa ashabihi wa azwajihi wa dhuriyatihi wa ahli baytihi wa man tabi'ahum bi ihsanin ila yawmiddini wa ba'd. Inshallah, before we continue with our dars uh, from where we left off in the text uh, yesterday, I wanted to uh, mention a little bit about uh, uh, the Salat al-Taraweeh. It seems that there are some people uh, who seem very intent on uh, kind of claiming that there's an, a position about taraweeh in the madhab, um, about praying eight rakahs or uh, uh, ten rakahs uh, plus three rakahs of witr, and uh, it's true it is mentioned in uh, it is mentioned in the books of uh, ilm a couple of them. The risala mentions after mentioning taraweeh that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wasallam, according to the hadith of Sayyidah Aisha radiallahu anha, uh, prayed 11 rak'ahs, meaning 8 rak'ahs, plus uh, 2 rak'ahs of shafa' and 1 rak'ah of witr. And he never increased uh, upon it in Ramadan or out of Ramadan. And this was mentioned after mention uh, of the uh, Salat al-Taraweeh in the uh, the chapter regarding fasting because it's from the Masail that has to do with Ramadan. Inshallah, I put, you know, the, soon a uh, short publication with a little bit of commentary and footnoting um, with regards to the chapter of the Risala or the relevant chapters of the Risala that, that connect with the with the fiqh of Ramadan, inshallah, will be uh, typeset and put out again. Some of you may have old copies of it, so we're trying to clean up a copy and put it out soon. Hopefully, it should be out before Ramadan, uh, inshallah. Um, but uh, the point is, is this, is that, look, Ibn Abi Zayd mentions this riwayah in particular at the end of that chapter for a reason, which is what? To show that this is the tahajjud of the Messenger of Allah, sallallahu alayhi wa which is different than uh, the Salat al-Taraweeh. The Hajjud is different than the Salat of Taraweeh. And, uh, you know, the uh, um, Dalil uh, for this claim is uh, a statement by none other than Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab ta'ala anhu, uh, who remarked uh, when he gathered the people for the Salat of Taraweeh uh, 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 during his reign, he remarked that, وَالَّذِي تَنَامُونَ عَنْهُ خَيْرٌ مِنَ الَّذِي الَّتِي تُصَلُّونَهَا وَكَمَا قَالْ I don't remember the exact wording, but it's the riwayah should be there in the Muwatta Imam Malik. Um, that the salat that you are sleeping through, meaning you pray the taraweeh and then you go home, the salat that you're sleeping through it has even more virtue than this. Like how good is this? And the salat that you guys are sleeping through has even more virtue than this, which is what? Which is the uh, uh, which is the tahajjud uh, prayer? Uh, the point being, what is that? Even Sayyidina Umar radiAllahu anhu made tafriq, uh, uh, he made difference between the two of them. And so, uh, this idea that the uh, uh, you know that the the mention the mention of uh, Ibn Abi Zaid in his risala of these uh, eleven rakat or thirteen rakat according to a different poll, the mention of this mode of the Prophet sallallahu praying in the bab. In the Bab of uh, of Ramadan, it somehow uh, you know indicates that this is a an opinion of the Maliki school, and uh, really it's not. It's 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 not. It's really not. Um, the Maliki school look at an usuli madhab. It's a madhab built on usul, and the usul of the madhab are what that the amal of the ahl Medina is a, is a hujjah, That if all the people in Medina come together and they do something in a publicly uh, recognized practice that this is a hujjah Malik used to consider it a type of ijma' in fact um, and uh, the the other the other didn't so if there's ever a an issue in which the amal al-ahl al-madina is mujma'ala shay it's there they all get together and agree on something then uh, that's that's a really big deal that's what makes like maliki fiqh into maliki fiqh and so uh, the People in Medina Munawwara at the time of Imam Malik, ta'ala, their fatwa and their practice was 36 rak'at. 
Um, some of the, you know, I read in some of the later uh, commentaries, mostly of non-Maliki works, but occasionally in a Maliki book as well, that the reason for 36 was because it was 20 plus the people in Makkah Mukarramah and the break between every four rakahs used to make a tawaf and there's two rakahs from that. So if you add, uh, you know, two rakahs for every gap between fours, um, that adds up to 36. Uh, uh, and that's not really what that's not what really what I read in the Maliki commentaries for the most part what I read in the Maliki commentaries is that the 20 rakat became so long because they stretched throughout the night that Sayyidina Umar ibn Abdul Aziz uh, his fatwa was that we should increase the number of rakat so each particular rakat is shorter and that way we can uh, you know, not trap people in a salat that's so long that if they have to use the bathroom or if they become weak or tired, uh, that they can't leave from. And uh, so that's why, because Malik considered Umar bin Abdul Aziz to be uh, one of the great ulama and fuqaha of Medina Munawwara, he took his uh, fatwa as canonical and authoritative. And there is something special about his fatwa also that is different than the fatwa of the other ulama which is that he was actually Khalifa. He was actually governor of Medina Munawwara and he was actually then uh, uh, later on uh, uh, called to uh, Damascus to be a, uh, um, a member of the Privy Council of State. And he, in fact, will ascend to the Caliphate, uh, albeit for a relatively short amount of time. But that gives his, uh, gives his uh, fatwa a special, uh, a special type of authority um, that brings it, you know, elevates it from the, from the theoretical into the, uh, into the practical. But that being the case, uh, the illa for which he uh, for which he increased the number of rakat, when that illa is gone, uh, the mashaykh they resort, re uh, came back to the came back to the original practice, which was instituted by Sayyidina Umar ibn Khattab anhu, and then thereafter uh, practiced by the other Khulafa Rashidun, Sayyidina Uthman, Sayyidina Ali radiAllahu anhuma. Uh, which was of praying 20 rakat, and uh, as far as I can tell, you know that that was mujma aleha. Nobody, uh, nobody objected to it at that time. Nor was there any other practice other than that. And look, if somebody wants to pray in their home, or if they want to pray in the masjid for that matter, nobody said the tarawih is fard. So if somebody wants to pray two, four, six, eight, ten, twelve, uh, or if they want to pray more than 20, all of those things are fine. But the form of the taraweeh, which is uh, handed down to us by the Khulafa Rashidun, is what is 20 raka'at. Uh, and uh, in as much as Sayyidina Umar bin Abdul Aziz is considered by some to be a fifth Khalifa Rashid, um, his fatwa has some authority in that it can be practiced. But even then, there's a illa for it, there's a reason for it, which is what? Which is because of the length of the, uh, the raka'at. So if you're going to pray that like, like whatever seven juz taraweeh, that maybe a person can increase if they if they wish to. Um, uh, but the problem is, is this is that if you then go with another hadith, abandoning the amal in order to go with the hadith, that's fine. That's a very different usuli approach than the madhab. And uh, this is something that is um, then shifts us to another kind of mechanical issue of the way the madhab works, um, which is that there were a number of there were a number of uh, fiqh works, legal works that were written based on the Mudawwanat al-Kubra, uh, uh, based on the uh, Sahnun's uh, collection of Malik's opinions from his students. Um, and, uh, you know, they include major works like that of Mazari, that of Lakhmi, that of uh, 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 Ibn Rushd al-Jad, uh, that of uh, uh, um, Qadi Abdul Wahhab, uh, 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 that of uh, uh, Ibn Hajib, uh, as well as a number of other early and important Maliki scholars. And so what happens is that after their tier of scholarship, uh, which I imagine is like uh, very similar to perhaps what the what the Shafi'is would, you know, uh, refer to as those people, as uh, Ashab al-Wujuh, or those people who are, that kind of are, are major figures after Shafi'i himself, um, uh, and after uh, Boyati and Muzani, but before before Imam Nawawi uh, uh, makes his kind of canonical recension of the Madhab, they're Malikis and they have opinions, but their opinions uh, are are 
still unsorted. And so uh, Khalil bin Ishaq, uh, he comes uh, in the Mamluk period and he basically looks through all of these long mukhtasarat and then he makes tarjih. He will say that, okay, of all these different opinions that are based on different narrations of the uh, of the Mudawana and of the different opinions of these Maliki scholars who are, you know, perhaps mujtahideen fil madhab hatta. Uh, um, uh, that, that 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 he'll say that these are the the opinions that are muftabihi and these ones aren't, and this is this opinion is superior to the other one, and the uh, uh, this opinion is not uh, superior to the other one, and or these two opinions are both you can give fatwa on them because they're very similar in their in their in their strength, and uh, um, this muftasir that Khalil writes it completely revolutionizes the madhab. Because he his tarjih his his selection of the most correct opinions is essentially accepted by um, the preponderant majority of the Maliki world, and thereafter, even if people, it's not that to say that like Khalasa Khalil is an Abi and like everything he says is the harf akhir, but he does such a good job that after him, essentially he's the his fatwa or his tarjih uh, of the fatwa. His selection of which is stronger and designation of which is the the stronger of the opinions on a particular matter, um, that's the standard uh, against which things are judged. So if you want to go against Khalil, you better bring a pretty pretty good game because generations and centuries of of Maliki ulama, great Maliki ulama, have uh, recognized that this is the standard. Uh, and so what ends up happening is a majority of the real mutawwal uh, works of fiqh, the real long and detailed works of fiqh. The format in which they're presented is 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 more often than not uh, a, uh, a sharh of Khalil's Mukhtasar and the format format of a commentary of Khalil's Mukhtasar. Somebody brought up, you know, well, what about his opinion that's mentioned in the Tawdih? The Tawdih is a very long work. You know, the Mukhtasar Khalil is something that is it's a very short work. The Tawdih is a very long multi-volume work. Um, which is a, com a commentary of his on the uh, Mukhtasar of Ibn Hajib. Um, and, uh, you know, he makes tarjihat over there as well. That's fine, but the point of it is not tarjihat. It's a long, uh, it's a long work and it's an ilmi work. And it's uh, a, an, uh, an ilmi work, the point of which is to convey, uh, convey uh, uh, knowledge. Whereas the Mukhtasar al-Khalil is uh, in a more general way, in a more broad uh, sense, you know. Whereas the Mukhtasar al-Khalil is a very terse text. Really, you cannot even read it without a commentary because many of its uh, its uh, expressions are so terse as to not really make sense normally. Um, and the point of the Mukhtasar of Khalil is to essentially pack in as many furur as possible and to indicate what the uh, you know what the what the strong opinions are uh, of the madhab. And uh, it's not there to like explain the mechanics or the how or the the why. It's just there to to pack in the what. And the point of writing texts that were terse like that is because they can be memorized if you write them out in a way that makes a lot of sense and conveys uh, meaning uh, uh, in a way that's more readily uh, understandable by a person, then that book cannot be memorized. And the Mukhtasar of Khalil is memorized to this day uh, in all, all different parts of the world that, that practice the Maliki school. Uh, and that's very different than the function of the Tawdiyah. You know, and for, for that matter, not just the Tawdiyah, like, uh, Alhamdulillah, mashallah, for Allah's, uh, by Allah's fadl, you know, I, I took Hajj groups uh, for so many years. So Khalil also has his manasik. He also has a, a book on the manasik. He has a, a long work on the uh, rites of pilgrimage. And it's a really in interesting work. And he, he brings like a lot of different fawa'id in it. Some are spiritual. Some of them are uh, uh, fiqhi. Some of them are, are, are uh, you know, have to do with like aqidah or have to do with islah of the, of the public. And there are many things that are mentioned in the um, in Khalil's Manasik that aren't mentioned in the Kitab al-Hajj in the Mukhtasar. Why? Because Khalil's Manasik is a book written for a different purpose and Khalil's Mukhtasar is written for a different purpose. The Mukhtasar is what? It's there so you know what the fatwa of the Madhab is. Uh, whereas the Manasik is a more holistic attempt at explaining the fiqh of, of pilgrimage, of Hajj and Umrah, etc. Uh, and so this is, uh, uh, this is the standard uh, this is the standard. If you want to know what the madhab is, you see what's in Khalil. And if Khalil doesn't mention it, uh, that means it's an uphill battle for that for that opinion. Of course, like I said, Khalil is not the end all. Uh, Khalil also then has a set of canonical uh, canonical um, uh, shuruhat, of canonical uh, um, uh, um, what, what, what we say commentaries. 
um, that will then expound and add uh, uh, more masail and more uh, individual like fiqhi rulings to them. The most well-known of which is the, the Sharh al-Kabir of Dardir and the Hashi of Dusuqi who are two Egyptian Malikis who will uh, then add that uh, add those things on and to this day if you want to go read you know the, the chair of the Malikiyah in Egypt uh, is uh, Sidi al-Sheikh uh, uh, Ahmed Taha Rayyan, a man I've never met nor have I ever studied with but mashallah uh, our Sheikh uh, uh, Yasser Fahmi uh, who is in uh, um, I believe in Boston uh, now he's a student of his. He studied the Mukhtasar from the Sheikh. Uh, those are still the same books that they, they they teach to this day, and they're still considered to be authoritative. Again, what does authority mean, right? Someone says, well, you know, like there's uh, the you know Malik himself said that the the speech of everybody is taken from and is abandoned except for Sahibu uh, al Qabar, except for the one who is the inhabitant of this this noble maqam. And he pointed to the to the maqam of the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alaihi wasallam. That's fine. If you don't want to follow Khalil, I'm not going to say that you're a kafir. I'm not going to say that you're a bad Muslim. I'm not going to say that you're an idiot. You don't know anything. I'm not going to say any of those things. But if you want to say what the Maliki fatwa is, you look to what? You look to the Mukhtasar Khalil. Just like if you want to say what the fatwa of the Shafi'i school is, you look to what? You look to the Nawawi's Tarjihat and the Minhaj al-Talibin. You can't say Ghazali said this and then Imam al-Haramin said that and there's an opinion from even Shafi'i himself about this and about that. You you can say those things and they may be true, but they're not representative of what we consider the the the, the Shafi'i school uh, for the last several centuries. Uh, and likewise, the Mukhtasar, uh, Mukhtasar Khalil is like that. So if you want to say with regards to an opinion, um, that this is the Maliki opinion and it's not mentioned in Khalil, um, then you have a really uphill battle. Then the ball's in your court. Go ahead and prove what it is. And if you want to prove what it is, you have to bring some like ijtihad level uh, proofs. You cannot just uh, you cannot just say, well, this book mentions this and that book mentions that. There are a lot of books that mention a lot of things. There are people who are bigger than Khalil in the madhab, you know, who have opinions, but they're not muftabihi. And that's the point is Khalil is not a mujtahid. Khalil is a murajjah. He's not, he's not the one who's actually reasoning through the Messiah. He's the one who's pointing out, indicating that according to the usul of the school, this is more uh, 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 conformant to the usul of the madhab than the other thing is. And the strange part is like, you know, on the internet, with regards to this tarawih question and with regards to other questions, right? There are many people who are like, uh, uh, you, know, you cannot freak out both ways. You have to have some sort of rational consistency in what you're doing, right? So, uh, for example, there was an issue of uh, abortion. I had mentioned that there's not ittifaq from uh, all the uh, mashayikh of, uh, of Islam, that abortion is mutlaq and across the board haram. And there are a number of people who freaked out, oh, Shaykh, you know, what kind of Maliki are you? This is the Maliki fatwa. I know some Maliki fatwa that it's not allowed. But some muhakkakun of the Maliki madhab uh, 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 said that it, it, it should be allowed to uh, up to a certain period. Uh, Lakhmi, uh, uh, Lakhmi is one of the people whose uh, you know works the Mukhtasar Khalil is actually based on. He's actually an ustad of Maziri, and he gives this. He ha he holds this opinion. Now, can I say that that's the fatwa of the madhab? No, I cannot. And then afterward, if you're going to say, well, do you worship Khalil? Do you worship Maziri? Uh, you know, like the Ma Maliki madhab is bigger than just that. That's great. It's bigger than all of those things. I agree with all of that. That's fine. And I'm not even saying that this is the opinion of the madhab, but it's an opinion of Lakhmi, and just leave it there, that's fine. But what is it? Why is it some of those exact same people right now, then they're coming after me, they're like, oh, well, you know, like, you know, there's other works other than just Khalil, and there's other works other than just this, other than this, that, that say this, X, Y, Z, and the other thing. And I'm like, look, Khalil mentions 36 raka'az, and it mentions 20, and it mentions that the amal is on 20, that the fatwa is on 20. Dusuqi and Dardir don't mention anything other than those as well. Mawahib al-Jalil Hattab says, well, the Maghariba have a different practice. Look, the Madhab is the Madhab, the practice of people is the practice. We have a practice in Pakistan. Patans have a practice. All of them don't get up in the morning except for they put niswar inside of their mouth. Does this mean that this becomes a, a part of the Hanafi school? Say, no, Shaykh, that's, you know, that's a bad example because it doesn't have to do with the ibadat. Okay, that's fine. You know, what there are anything that has to do with the sifa of the ibadat, just because people are doing something, it doesn't make it an intellectual proof. And furthermore, the madhab, like I said, the madhab has its usul. And from the greatest and the definitive and the unique usul of the madhab is what the Amal Ahl al Madina. 
And Amal Ahlul Madinah is what? 20 and 36. There's no Amal that, that comes that they gathered in the masjid and they prayed any, uh, any less than that or any different than those two uh, uh, options. And, you know, if someone says, well, like the Risala says, there's a Ibarah in the Risala someone brought, like, you know, like whoever stands, uh, the, the person who stands for as much as they can in the night, um, then one should hope that the the fadl of that, the virtue of that, should be uh, you know should should, uh, uh, should should encompass that person as well. That's fine. Like I said, if you want to pray two rakahs, go right ahead. If you want to pray four, go right ahead. If you want to pray six, go right ahead. If you want to pray eight, this is not the taraweeh which is handed down to us from our akabr and from our mashaykh. This is not the taraweeh of the Amal Ahl Madina. This is not the taraweeh of Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said what? He said what? He says that Alaykum bi sunnati wa sunnati al-khulafa al-rashidin al-mahdiyin. Khudu biha wa udhu alayha bin nawajiz. You're responsible to uh, follow my sunnah and the sunnah of my rightly guided successors, my khulafa rashidin Take it and hold on to it with your molar teeth. Bite onto it with your molar teeth. I mean, don't, don't let it go. So that's not what that is, right? Because the Salat al-Taraweeh in its current form, the form of it was given by Sayyidina Umar ibn al-Khattab. And the reason we don't say it's a bid'ah uh, is what? He himself even sarcastically said, Na'mat hadhi al-bid'ah. If you want to call it a bid'ah, it's a good bid'ah. The idea is that there's no, there's like in our usul, there's no good bid'ah uh, 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 in that sense that a person actually like adds to the deen and then says afterward good bid'ah. Adds to the ibadat or the aqaid of Islam and says it's good bid'ah. What is it? He gave a form to something that had a precedent in, in the prophetic time, but was was uh, it wasn't the right time to implement it yet. So he gave it the form. He gave it. Umar ibn Khattab gave it the form. This is one of the reasons the rawafid that like consider like all of the companions to be kafirs except for like three, five, seven, nine, something like that. They don't pray taraweeh. We pray the Ahl Sunnah. We pray salatul taraweeh. Who's the one who inaugurated? Who's the one who uh, inaugurated the concept? The Prophet sallallahu Who's the one who gave it its form that we congregate upon? It said Umar ibn al-Khattab anhu, and so we stick to that form that he gave. And uh, you know, if you want to pray eight, that's fine in the sense that it's not a fard. It's fine in the sense that praying eight rakahs is better than praying uh, twenty. It's even fine in the sense that, like you know, the hadith of the Prophet is very vague. Why? Because the Taraweeh didn't have a form at that time. He said, "What man qama Ramadana imana wahtisaban ghufir the person who stands in the nights of Ramadan in faith in Allah Subhanahu wa Taala and hope for reward for reward from Him, that person their sins will be uh, for, forgiven that came from before. So it's hoped. It's fine. You know, like you had a hard day at work. You know, uh, uh, Corona. Uh, uh, you know, Corona uh, got you down. Uh, hopefully not physically, but like just like you know, you're just a little depressed or whatever, and you don't have the himma to pray twenty or thirty-six or whatever, and so you clock out, check out after eight. That's fine. But I don't see where in you know, I don't see where in the the, the fatwa of the madhab it's it, it's an opinion, and I don't see how it makes any tatbiq from the usul. And if you, afterward you don't agree with me, that's fine. But the objective facts is that it's not mentioned in Khalil. It's not mentioned in Dardir. It's not mentioned in the Sufi. It's not mentioned by Hattab, who is one of the mashayikh of the uh, of the Maghrib, uh, who wrote a a a, 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 a what you call a, a commentary, uh, one of the most important commentaries on Khalil. And further than that, it's very interesting because I see these things and like some of these masayikh seem like very slam dunk, like very easy. Like it confuses me. Why are people confused? So I called one of uh, one of the asatiza from Mauritania. Uh, um, and I, you know, I said, maybe Sheikh, I'm wrong. And like, I don't know, like, uh, maybe I'm misguiding people or I'm making some assumption over here. So can you correct me? It's very interesting. I'll do this with a lot of Masail and the Sheikhs actually kind of get annoyed because they're like, this is so dumb. Like, why, why do you have, you know, they don't obviously they don't speak English and they don't speak like that. They're much more classy people, but like you get that feeling from them. Like, why are you even asking me about this? This is such a simple issue. And from my side, it's because I want to make sure that I'm not going to say something wrong uh, to people. But on the flip side, it's obvious even to me how like clear of an issue this is. And so literally, Sheikh, he says the answer back to me. He says, uh, مَسْأَلَةٌ قَدْ تَفَرَّغَ الْفُقَاهَ مِنْهُ this is such a this is such an issue that the, the the scholars of the law have been like done with this for such a long time. He says he said he says hatta al-madhab al-arba'a the fatwa of the madhab al-arba'a is what is that it's twenty, and he says he says that he says that there are places in the world that they uh, pray less. He says that 
later on in the Maghrib, people started praying whatever, 13, or praying uh, some other number in certain places. He says, in our Tuamirat, where Murabit and Ruhaddamin and where our Mashaykh uh, are that we read from, they always prayed 23. Why? Because the fatwa of the Madhab. Uh, and so that's fine. You know, people have, you know, like I said, people have their different practices and whatever in places. That's not necessarily a representation of the madhab. Because someone follows the madhab and does something, it doesn't necessarily mean that that's the madhab. This is a very basic, you know, even if you read mantiq, it's one of the very basic masala of mantiq. You know, I'll admit it. I, I haven't read mantiq formally. I take like like lessons, you know. But like what I remember from one of the first lessons of, uh, of mantiq is what? You know, they'll ask you a question or they'll say some sort of silly, like, like for example, I'll, if someone says, I'll go outside if the weather is good. I'll go outside. If the, or Sorry, if the weather is good, I'll go outside. If the weather is good, I'll go outside. So what's it, what, what, what if that person goes outside? Does that mean the weather is good? It doesn't necessarily mean the weather is good. The weather being good is a reason for going outside. It's not necessarily the exclusive reason for which the person uh, would go outside. It may be something else that brought that person outside. And so because in a place people do some sort of practice, that's fine. They do that practice. Does it does it does it fit on the books of fatwa? Does it fit on the usul of the madhab? If the answer is no, then we have to recognize that. Furthermore, maybe that's the fatwa in their land. Every land has a, a, a local uh, a local uh, a set of traditions that may be different than the fatwa of that school. You know, they may have certain fatawa that they have preference for in the Indian subcontinent and the Hanafi madhab that they don't have preference for in Central Asia or in some, some other place. They, In fact, they do have them. But what what is it? At least then they'll say that this is the ikhtiyar of this school or the ikhtiyar of this sheikh or the ikhtiyar of these people. The standard against which is judged is still uh, is still retained. It's not thrown away in some sort of free-for-all. Otherwise, you will find all kind of wild, you will find wild masail attributed to Imam Malik. You'll find wild masail attributed to Imam Malik. You'll find someone who'll say that Imam Malik permitted muta'a. You'll find someone who says Imam Malik permitted uh, sodomy. You'll find someone, and literally, you'll find these things in books, um, uh, uh, some of them that are uh, very old. And then the ulama will look at them and they'll say, well, look, there's another riwayah, you know, or several riwayat against this, and the person transmits this is not as trustworthy as the other one. And then this makes mukhalaf of like the usul of the madhab uh, here, here, and here. And they'll give fatwa against it. And now you cannot just put the two at the same pedestal with one another and say that this is this and, uh, you know, this is also the madhab and how dare you, you worship Khalil or whatever. Uh, and so that's fine. If someone wants to do something else, let them do whatever else it is. Um, but but let them then be honest and say that, okay, yes, the majority of the Malikis, if not all of the, all of the fuqaha, they consider Khalil to be the muftabihi book. And this is different than the madhab as it's represented from Khalil. And then attribute attribute the the, the ilm to its source and be done with it uh, uh, rather than making uh, such a big halabulu and fuss and then say like, well, you know, like, and people do this, people do this with every madhab, especially when they can get away with it. You know, God bless the, the Hanafis, mashallah, for having uh, like a swarm of yajuj and majuj, like uh, numbers of students, mashallah, that can call people out on this type of stuff. People say all sorts of stuff. So what, what madhab you follow? I follow Hanafi madhab. Well, how come you make ruffle your day and say, I mean out loud and like, you know, all these things. I say, oh, no, no, we're, we're Shami Hanafis. Well, mashallah, Ibn Abidin was also like a Shami and like, his books don't mention that. But the thing is, you can get away with this type of stuff when there's nobody to read books and no one to say anything. And so if a person, uh, you know, uh, doesn't accept uh, Khalil as uh, as the muftabihi or the standard, against at least if you want to like, have a different uh, fatwa or say something, that's fine. You can do that. I mean, it's not kufr. If someone prays eight rak'ahs in their home, I'm not going to say that this is a big danger to Islam or whatever. If they want to do that, though, let them at least have some sort of academic honesty and say yes, like we 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 dissent with the with the uh, with with the the fatwa of Khalil, which the majority of the Malikis uh, consider to be authoritative and canonical, for this reason and that reason, and then say who the madha, the fatwa comes from, what the proofs for the fatwa are, and uh, 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 what the proofs against the other uh, fatwa are, and then say this is why we give that fatwa, because this is also from the usul fatwa Muhammad Maulud, for example. Uh, and he's by far not the only one, but like uh, um, he enumerates because he has a lot of books on the adab of different stuff. He says that it's not permissible to give uh, to give fatwa against the, the, the opinion that is the, the, the strongest opinion. If there's a weaker opinion, it means what? That the mufti himself knows that there's something that's closer to the 
أقرب إلى الصواب is closer to what the حق is is closer to what the رضا of Allah سبحانه وتعالى is in it. In that case, he shouldn't give the fatwa to people um, that's weaker, uh, that's further from the uh, from the رضا of Allah سبحانه وتعالى. Uh, maybe if there's a change in circumstances, then the person can say yes for that person because of their circumstances. This other opinion is more appropriate for them to make amal on. But in general, you can't just blanket say like, "Khalas, here's a weak opinion. Everybody make amal on it." And uh, this is also another. Uh, 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 this is also another uh, principle people take objection to, and it's good to ask the person, "Do you take objection to this principle? Yes or no?" And then you will know. Then you will know uh, what the quality of that person, what they're giving to you is, because if they know there's something that's more correct according to the nusus and more correct according to the usul, and that the ulama consider to be more correct, and then they're telling you to do something else, I'll let you figure out like why is it that they're telling you to do that and what the benefit of that is, uh, and it isn't. Uh, and this is, you know, this is obviously the occasion of this issue coming up is the taraweeh, but trust me, it's not a. It's not limited to just a taraweeh, it's limited to the entire approach to the sharia is that are we going to be willy-nilly pick and choose or do we actually have a system that 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 has a precedent that we respect and that we're uh, going to adhere to and that we're going to take seriously, you know, because uh, it's funny, the people of dunya take their dunya really seriously, you know, that the, the, that if a alim somewhere says, okay, we should have Jum'ah while coronavirus is going on, those people yell and scream and they'll cuss at at that alim, they're not going to say, look, difference of opinion, we should be tolerant and all this other stuff. They only do that with religious matters. They don't do it with their dunya because their dunya is their deen. And you blasphemed it. You violated something sacred for them. Why? Because they take their dunya very seriously. You know? And although we have adab that we don't really cuss and scream and whatever, but we take our deen, we should take our deen even more seriously than they take their dunya. But because that age seems to have been missing from the Muslim world for a very long time. If you want to know how to venerate your deen, then look at the people of dunya, how they venerate their dunya, and you'll see a ground floor of how you're supposed to venerate your deen. That if you play, if you play around, if the Supreme Court gives a verdict on something, and then as a judge, you play around, you'll lose your judgeship. You'll get dis, you'll, you, you know, you're, you're going to, you're not going to be respected in the legal community because there is a precedent that's been handed down. If you want to overturn the precedent, then show its burden of proof is on you to show that this is this is something that is unprecedented and precedented that require that 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 warrants or merits overturning uh, that that prior precedent. You know, so if you want to like say, well, okay, we're Maliki and stuff, but like we want to give fatwa that is clearly against the amal ahlul Madina, then bring a, a, another amal of the al Madina that is in contrast with this that takes priority over it or some very clear ayah of the book of Allah Ta'ala or some very clear hadith a hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that show that there's some ta'aruf between this and that because of which we have to uh, uh, we have to uh, put aside that thing which our entire madhab is defined from in the first place which is fine the fuqaha used to do it you know the fuqaha and andalus have their own ikhtiarat the fuqaha every land every madhab the fuqaha have their own ikhtiarat that's fine that's as a mujtahid, that is your uh, uh, that is your uh, uh, your right. But what's the problem? The problem is nobody cares. Nobody cares about you know you. They care about Malik. Nobody cares about your opinion. They care about the opinion of the madhab. Nobody cares about you. They care about the opinion of the companions. Nobody cares about you, and nobody should care about you. I shouldn't even care about me. What do they care about? They care about the opinion that comes with the authority of al barakatu ma'akabirikum. The barakah isn't following your akabir. And so for you to say this is an opinion and use their name, but you're making nisbah of the ilm to a locus that it doesn't really belong to, uh, um, you know, uh, uh, that's problematic because someone more authoritative than you said know that the, the tarjih is in this direction rather than uh, than in that direction. And this is part of academic honesty. People say, well, how can we call yourself Hanafi? How can we can't all just say we're Muslims. The reason we say that we're, you know, Hanafi or Maliki or Shafi in the first place is what? It's academic honesty. We're attributing our ilm to what the source is, which is a, a, a uh, responsibility that we have in front of Allah Ta'ala. And it's good because when we do that, then the responsibility is off of our shoulders. If we attribute the knowledge to the source that it comes from uh, properly, to the most proper source that we can attribute it to, uh, that way if it's wrong, then the responsibility is on that source that, that, that you attributed to it to if the attribution is correct. And if not, then you just stuck your uh, your your neck out and you said something about the deen of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala 
um, that you're going to have to prove on the day of judgment. And even if even if it's right, who's going to want to have to be put in the burden of that 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 position? Who, who's going to want to be have to be put in the in the burden of having to prove that? That's going to be really scary, you know. Hadith of the Prophet uh, whoever uh, lies about me uh, uh, knowingly, then let that person take their place in the fire. And the muhaddithun used to consider lying about the Prophet وسلم, knowingly. Uh, 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 they used to consider from that to say something about the Prophet وسلم, and know that this is possible, but this is not true. And still not disclose that fact to talk about it as if it's like the, the Bible truth or whatever, it's 100% correct. And so people come at me. I posted. I said, "This is the." the I said, "What's this, the? What's the reasoning?" Khalil encapsulates the madhab. This is the text of Khalil. These are the canonical shuruhat of Khalil. This is what they said. Done. Thereafter, if someone wants to say some other text represents the madhab or some other whatever, let them prove then all of those things and say it. And if they're not able to, then be careful with your deen. And I'll be very honest with you. I know this tirade has gone on too long. I just like should put a ban on myself. Uh, for uh, speaking refutation in the time of dars, because this happened also with the Sayyidina Isa alayhi salam, uh, 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 the Hayatul Masih alayhi salam issue. But I'm not a big fan of this thing in. Uh, um, I'm not a big fan of this thing in social media where uh, people are arguing masala back and forth, and people start to like claims and responses that people make. Even if the claim I feel it's it's correct, if you don't know Arabic, if you don't know whatever, we don't litigate uh, ilmi matters through democracy and we don't litigate ilmi matters through thumbs upses and through heart shapes and through uh, uh, angry icons and laughing icons. Uh, we don't do that. We don't we don't throw our opinions in uh, to an issue. If uh, you know, if things are uh, by democracy, then the Qutb al-Aqtab of this age is uh, Donald Trump and uh, 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 and then perhaps thereafter, uh, Sleepy Joe. Uh, uh, that's not how we. That's not how ilmi things work. Uh, so if you want to read the, those debates and discussions, if you think there's some sort of benefit in it for you, go right ahead. But if you don't know what you're talking about, then to try to egg on your favorite sheikh uh, uh, by giving them more likes or whatever, I feel I feel it's very silly. Even when people do it for me, but I know this person doesn't know what you know what's there. There are a lot of people who argue about stuff. They don't know Arabic. They they don't know they don't know like any of what they're arguing about. And uh, why why join their ranks? Why join their ranks? You know, look at me. Mashallah, I've taught in Madaris. I've been, uh, you know, teaching in different places for so many years. Uh, I received the the the, the son of the ulama. What is the book I'm teaching right now? It's a child's book. It's a child. Why? Because we're afraid that we don't want to take a, a responsibility that we're not going to be able to fulfill thereafter. Uh, um, but there are those who never read and never uh, uh, received the ijazat of the ulama uh, and. Uh, they make big claims afterward and it's you know i know people do it because they they have like some hamasa and some excitement and zeal to serve the dean god bless them for that but uh, you don't want to uh, you know let your tongue get out in front of you and put you in a bad position then uh, allah ta'ala help us all so uh, now continuing with the text that we were uh, talking about and restraining uh, the further desire to talk about uh, refutation um, I wanted to mention a hadith or a couple of hadiths last time when we were um, when we were speaking, and so uh, this is a relevant chapter from uh, uh, from Riyadh al-Salihin, which is by no means a book of Maliki fiqh, but it illustrates that the you know that the the flow of the the risala is uh, structured according to the ayat of the Quran and according to the uh, hadith of the Nabi sallallahu alaihi wasallam, which is worthy of a, a, of a man uh, of the rank of Ibn Abi Zaid, who was uh, similar to Malik in the sense that Malik was the great faqih of his age, and he was also the great uh, Amir al-Mu'mineen fil-Hadith in his age. He was a top carnivore. He was a Tyrannosaurus Rex of, of Muhaddithun of his age. Uh, um, and so uh, Ibn Abi Zaid was like that. He was a master of Hadith as well as a master of Fiqh and a master of many other sciences. Truly a man worthy of, of ijtihad. Uh, and so he, his book is written with, uh, with the basic nusus uh, very close at hand, with the base, basic source material materials uh, close at hand. So uh, you know this chapter from the Riyadh Salihin, it will become clear to you why it's being uh, why it's being quoted 
uh, its relevance to the, to the material we're reading. An Anas ibn Malik radiyallahu anhu an nabi sallallahu alayhi wa sallam qala la yu'minu ahadukum hatta yuhibba li akhihi ma yuhibbu li nafsihi wa huwa muttafaqun alayh that the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said that a person doesn't perfect their belief until they love for their brother what they love for themselves which was said uh, in as uh, in so many words uh, in yesterday's dars wa anhu qala qala rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam unsur akhaka zaliman aw mazluman qala rajulun ya rasulullah ansuruhu idha kana mazluman araita in kana zaliman kayfa ansuruhu qala tahjuzuhu aw tamna'uhu min al-zulmi fa inna dhalika nasruhu rawahu al-bukhari another hadith of the prophet sallallahu which is in the vein of mentioning nasiha uh, for your for your brothers and sisters uh, which is also narrated by uh, Anas bin Malik radiyallahu anhu that the messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said uh, come to the aid of your brother whether he is the transgressor or the transgressed which was actually a, a, a slogan of jahiliyyah so they come to the aid of your brother whether he's the transgressor or the transgressed and so the companions were a little bit like taken aback like we thought Islam came to end this type of sentiment uh, so a man said oh messenger of Allah um, I get how I, I should come to his aid if he's oppressed, but how should I come to his aid if he's the oppressor? And the Messenger of Allah وسلم, says that you hold him back, you restrain him from, from transgressing, and that's how you help him, that's how you come to his aid. وعن أبي هريرة رضي الله عنه أن رسول الله صلى الله عليه وسلم قال حق المسلم على المسلم خمس رد السلام وعيادة المريض واتباع الجنائز وإجابة الدعوة وتشميت العاطس Abu Hurairah he mentions that the uh, Messenger of Allah وسلم, said that the right of a Muslim over another Muslim uh, uh, is five things. One is that if he says salam to you, you should return his salams, something that we talked about yesterday. Um, uh, and to visit the sick, which we talked about yesterday, and maybe we'll, we'll, talk, we'll expand on a little bit more uh, today. الجنائز, and to pray uh, uh, and to pray uh, uh, your brother's uh, funeral prayer, which is uh, next in line in the text of the Risala. And that you should uh, accept his invitation if he invites you uh, within reason, and that will be discussed as well subsequently. Uh, and that if he sneezes and says Alhamdulillah, it's his right that you should say Yarhamakumullah, that you should return the benediction. And it's very interesting that uh, uh, there are very different things. Like, what's the difference? Like, what's the commonality between saying Wa alaikum going to someone's janaza and like uh, attending a wedding at the, someone's invitation and you know saying Yarhamakumullah, Allah have mercy on you for the one who says Alhamdulillah after sneezing. These are all the rights that a brother has on a brother. These are this indicative of a pattern that we have rights as the body of believers. We have rights over one another. And this is the, the vein in which this uh, section of the Risala is being written. أمرنا بعيادة المريض واتباع الجنازي وتشميت العاطس وبرار المقسم ونصر المظلوم وإجابة الداعي وإفشاء السلام ونهانا عن خواتيم أو تختم بالذهب وعن شرب بالفضة وعن مياثر الحمر وعن القسي وعن لبس الحريري والاستبرقي والديباجي متفق عليه وفي روايتي إنشاد الضالة في السبع الأول والمياثير بياء مثنات قبل الألف وثاء مثلثة بعدها وهي جمع ميثرة وهي شيء يتخذ من حرير ويحشى قطنا غيره ويجعله في السرج anyway إلى آخره والقسي بفتح الكاف وكس كس السين المهملة المشددة هي ثياب تنسج من حرير كتان مختلطتين وإنشاد الضالة تعريفها so this this is a longer narration 
um, that the uh, Nabi sallallahu alayhi wa al-Bara' ibn Azib radiyallahu anhumah says that the Messenger of Allah sallallahu alayhi wa commanded us to seven things. He commanded us to visit the sick and to uh, uh, follow the janais, to pray the funeral prayers and follow them until they're buried and to return the benediction of the one who sneezes and gives it. Uh, that if your brother swears by Allah that he's going to do something good uh, uh, to help him to fulfill that oath is also the right of a, a, a brother, uh, which is really interesting. And it's something that I don't think we think about a whole lot anymore. But to help a person to fulfill their obligations toward Allah Ta'ala, that's what makes you a brother and a friend. Uh, 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 nowadays, what is it? Someone wants to raise their hand at the fundraiser and feel like, no, 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 save your money, save your No, if the person doesn't say, I'll be there with you, well, let's fulfill this pledge together. You know, now you're going to get a text message from your, you know, your relatives saying, don't be stupid and, you know, the economy is bad and blah, blah, blah. Uh, whereas in the old days it wasn't like that. Although there was one uncle actually at a fundraiser, he said that, you know, at a fundraiser, my, my wife always says to me, uh, give more, give more. He says that I wondered like, you know, why is she being so, uh, why is she being so generous uh, 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 in a way that seems a, a bit out of place? He says, then I realized that she doesn't want me to have too much money left over because she's probably afraid I'm going to marry another wife. That's good for uncle and auntie, inshallah. Uh, but you should encourage people. The point is uh, you should encourage uh, one another to what? to uh, 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 fulfill uh, and help one another to fulfill their, their oaths that are taken by uh, the divine name. And if your brother is oppressed, you have to come to their aid and to their assistance. Uh, and so remember that the people of the people of Turkmenistan, uh, sorry, not Turkmenistan, also Turkmenistan, I guess, Turkestan, East Turkestan, the people of, uh, you know, the people of, uh, 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 of Burma, the Muslims, the Rohingya Muslims of Burma, the people who are mavlum in all of these places, they have a haq over us, they have a right over us. Don't say that we're separate than them. And whatever shayateen will whisper that in your ear, that's not part of the deen. Uh, he says, it's a nasrul mavlum. And we talked about that. We talked about that in previous uh, durus in this particular series. We jab it to da'i, and if someone calls you, uh, invites you over, that you should uh, answer the invitation and not dismiss their invitation without reason. Uh, that you should proliferate the greeting of salam and he prohibited us from wearing rings of silver uh, sorry wearing rings of gold and drinking from vessels of silver uh, and uh, uh, from wearing uh, uh, red embroidered clothes and from uh, uh, wearing uh, he basically mentions a number of different uh, types of clothes that have silk and that are, are, are really fancy that he forbade us uh, as men for, from wearing those things. So this is uh, a little bit of look at the hadith of the Prophet Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam when continuing and understanding like what the what the train of thought is in uh, Ibn Abi Zaid mentioning uh, the things that he mentions now uh, in the road that, in the in the order that he mentions them. Uh, and uh, a person should visit his sick brother if he becomes sick, and a person should get, return the benediction if a person sneezes, right? When you sneeze, it is a sign of vigor of the body. It said that the, the heart actually has to stop because the force with which the sneeze comes out, um, that the heart just stops for just a moment. And uh, uh, the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam says, Allah loves the slave when he sneezes, um, whereas the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would make ta'awudh, would seek refuge from shaitan with the yawning. Why? Because the sneeze is a sign of the vigor of the body, whereas the yawn is a sign of the weakness and the tiredness of the body. So uh, with a yawn, a person should cover their mouth and try to suppress it as much as possible, especially in front of other people. And uh, when it comes to uh, when it comes to the sneeze, the person says, Alhamdulillah, uh, praise be to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And then if you hear that person give the benediction, then you should return it as well and say, Yarhamukumullahu, may Allah Ta'ala have mercy on you, show mercy to you. And then thereafter, it's narrated that the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, if a person said Yarhamukumullah to him, he would say, Yafir Allahu lana wa lakum. He said, may Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala forgive us and forgive you. Um, and uh, uh, it said that the Yahud, uh, would sometimes sneeze and uh, 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 say the benediction in front of the Messenger of Allah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam in Medina 
hoping for him to say this prayer uh, back for them because they bore witness to the great and immense amount of barakah that he came with, sallallahu alaihi wasallam, while uh, puzzling, pu puzzlingly not believing in him, uh, some of them. And so he would, instead of saying, Ya Allah, may Allah Ta'ala forgive us and forgive you, he would give the benediction of, balakum. May Allah Subhanahu Wa Ta'ala uh, uh, guide you and rectify your shortcomings. Um, and uh, some of the ulama, they uh, said that th this is also an okay benediction to give uh, for thee. Uh, uh, for the Muslim uh, as well in response to um, When a person visits the sick by the way, uh, there's an adab to it You don't you know you visit the person who's sick in order to remind yourself of the transitory nature of life and like How you can't take life for granted and how the dunya will abandon you and all that. but you don't go and like Toss that on the person. You understand what I'm saying? That may be in your heart. You take some tadkir off from it, right? But when you go to visit the sick, uh, you know you gotta you gotta like you know give them some some himma. You gotta give them some glad tidings. You gotta you know give them some uh, encouragement and some courage uh, and uh, help them to take heart. You know, go and make du'a for them. You know, say, who am I? My du'a is not accepted. Look, who are you? Nobody. Who is Allah? Allah is the one who says, Ujibu da'wat da'i da da'ani fal yastajibu li wal yuminu bi la'allahum yarshudun. That if you, if my, ya Muhammad alayka salatu wassalam, if my slaves ask you about me, then tell them, verily I'm nearby. And I answer the, the, the call of, of the one who calls upon me. Literally, I answer the du'a of the one who makes du'a to me. Uh, when he makes dua so let him make dua uh, to me and seek uh, uh, an answer from me and let him uh, let him believe in me uh, let them call upon me and let them believe in me uh, so that they may be guided so yes make dua for the sick when you go there say inshallah ta'ala will make it better allah ta'ala will decrease your pain allah will you know may allah forgive your sins inshallah uh, that inshallah inshallah no harm will come from this 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 is good allah is cleansing your your spiritual state through this um, uh, that the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he would visit, a, uh, it's narrated that the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, when he would visit the sick, uh, he would say in his du'a, "Adhib al baas Rabban Rabban Nasishfi Saqman." He said, uh, uh, "O Lord of people, uh, drive away the, the 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 severity and the difficulty of the sickness and cure." There's no one who gives cure. Uh, uh, you're the you're the one who gives cure, I should say, and there's no cure except for your cure. So give a cure that doesn't leave behind any illness, or that the Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam would say uh, um, uh, 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 seven times: As Allah al Alim, Rabb al Arsh al Alim, an Yashfiyaka. A person doesn't say this seven times to someone who he visits. Uh, um, Except for Allah Ta'ala will uh, 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 cure that person, uh, uh, except for the one who is, uh, except for the one who it's written that this is his time to pass. Uh, and so go, give du'as, cheer that person up, bring some part of your spiritual state as well and help them out, you know. Don't, uh, don't like, don't go there for the reminder of death and you yourself like, you know walk in as if you're like already like halfway done planning the person's janazah such people very clueless and they just do a lot more harm than they do good uh you're there to help you're there to help your brother you're not there to like you know uh you know take a reminder of death at his expense in order to like push him down uh, uh whether willingly or unwillingly uh, and so the person should what the person should visit his brother and the person should uh return the benediction of the one who sneezes and the person should uh uh, uh be present and witness uh, that person's janazah, meaning praying that person's janazah and then witness that person's burial um, when they uh, when they die, when they die. Uh, and so, Nabi Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam mentioned that there's a qirat of reward. Uh, uh, there's a qirat of reward for the person who uh, um, uh, 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 for the person who praise the janazah of uh, the person who dies and there's a qirat of reward for the person who follows the janazah thereafter and stays with it until the person is buried in the ground and the qirat uh, here is def is defined by the sunnah of the prophet sallallahu alaihi wasallam as a, a large quantum which is equivalent to uh, the mountain of uhud which is big 
it's a lot it's a lot of reward basically so a person should a person should honor those who have passed by staying for their janaza and if they're able to they should go with them also to the uh, to the cemetery and they should then give uh, dua for that person which the janaza is a form of dua and also make dua for them while they're being buried uh, etc and also give consolation to their family uh, to, 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 to make dua for the deceased in front of the family and then thereafter to make dua for the family that Allah ta give you patience and reward you for your uh, for the difficulties that you're um, that you're uh, undertaking in order to what in order to enjoin them to patience so that they don't have a breakdown and things don't get even you know that things that are already hard don't become uh, then worse uh, because of that that we as Muslims we we, we shore up our our brothers we you know uh, that the, the, our brothers, they see us and they take support and it keeps everything together rather than pushing through things toward uh, falling apart. And a little bit of support from other people, it means a lot. And the thing is, once you understand this is why you're doing this, then I want you to think about how you do all of these things so that you can do these things in a way that is actually supportive and not like harmful. You know, Don't go and act like a Yahoo in somebody's janazah or in their burial. Um, don't go and uh, you know act clueless when you're visiting the sick. Have this understanding that you're doing this for your own uh, spiritual benefit and for your reward, as well as in order to shore up and give support and help to this person, and, and try to think of how you can be helpful rather than being a burden. Uh, you know, don't don't feel insulted if you go and visit someone who's sick and they don't honor you in the way a guest should be honored. Why? Because they're sick. You know, if they like, if they see you and they're like, ah, you know, like can we meet another time or they only sit with you for five minutes and then they ask you to leave don't feel you know don't walk out all hurt and this no say we we're here for your sake we're here to make you happy you call us back when you need us we'll come anytime and if you need something let us know we'll we'll uh, uh we'll uh take care for you because you're there to help you're not there to be a burden or you're not there to get your own get your own uh, uh ego pumped up your own nuts pumped up and that a person should guard him, should protect that person when they're uh, when they're not present, uh, in private and in public. That you shouldn't, uh, you know, if people are taking pot shots at your brother, uh, uh, you don't uh, you don't participate in that. Rather, you should say a word to defend your brother, uh, whether it is uh, uh, when your brother, especially when he's not there. Uh, whether it is uh, in private or in public. Uh, so this is, I think, a good place to stop, inshallah. This is a, a somewhat of a lengthier masala. It's not all that different than the masala we talked about uh, with keeping good... Uh, good relationship with your parents and with your relatives, but there's, there's some things that are worth mentioning uh, thereafter and I don't want to go over the, the hour mark. Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala forgive us uh, for our shortcomings. Allah ta'ala give us the tawfiq to read and understand those things that we have to, that we haven't been able to yet, to read those books and to sit in the company of those mashayikh that, that, that we, we wish to. Uh, uh, Allah ta'ala give us the, the sa'adat of reading the Muhtasar Khalil and its different shuruhat and the takmilatul minhaj and the different books of ilm inshallah. Uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala protect us from ever saying something that's wrong. Allah ta'ala accept from people whatever form of ibadat they do and that they genuinely think is the best after consulting with mashayikh and ulama inshallah. Even if I don't like it, Allah ta'ala accept it from the people and even if they don't like mine, Allah ta'ala accept it anyway. Um, all of us are trying what's best. Allah ta'ala, uh, uh, whatever disagreements that we have uh, with uh, one another inshallah, as long as they're in good faith, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, keep us uh, happy with one another and uh, in, uh, you know in one another's uh, uh, um, uh, in one another's good grace inshallah and uh, remove any uh, uh, severity of disagreement from our hearts in this world and the hereafter uh, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, hasten the day that uh, we are no longer threatened by this disease or by other diseases uh, and hasten the, the, the help and the aid of our brothers and sisters who are oppressed in the different lands uh, both outside of Darul Islam and also sadly within the Darul Islam Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala uh, used these circumstances in order to 
depose uh, the people who are evil and wish evil uh, to the creation of the, of the Prophet and use it as an occasion to raise those who wish for good and wish for good uh, by God's creation and by the Ummah of the Prophet Sallallahu <laughs> Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh.